Well, I learned a long time ago that a man who thinketh by the inch and speaketh by the yard ought to be shown the door by the foot. Can I get an amen right there? So I have to be careful. I've tried to live by the uh, proverb, blessed is he who keepeth his sermon short, he shall be invited back again. So I, I try to remember that. Take your Bible and turn to Second Kings chapter 2. And I want to wish the pastor a happy birthday. I certainly love your pastor and have from the time that I first met him. Can't remember. I think I met you uh, at Josh's. I think was the first time I ever met you over there by the interstate. And I love Brother Toby ever since then, his wife and uh, his family. And just a joy to be here. As I said this morning, we certainly appreciate you folks as a church because you are special to us because you have been special to us in many ways. It's not just your faithful support that we receive every month, but we know your care for us, your constant contact with us in one way or the other and and the things that you do. Uh, it just means a lot to us, and we appreciate it so much. But uh, thank you again. Just our honor to be here and to spend a few days with you. Thinking about birthdays, uh, the years are getting by all of us. My wife and I were talking about our age this afternoon. Of course, when I started out, I was always the youngest when I started, but now it's the other way around. I'm, I'm the oldest. I'm starting to feel a little bit like... This couple that I heard about, she was 90, he was 93, and they were going to get married, 90 and 93, and they were engaged to get married. So they went by a drugstore one day and they asked the pharmacist, they said, uh, do you sell walkers here? And they said, we do. Do you sell hearing aids here? And he said, we, we sell hearing aids. Do you sell back braces, knee braces, all those kind of things? He said, we, we sell all of those. They went on down the line. Do you sell medicine, blood pressure? He went on down the line, all kinds of things. And he said, yes, ma'am, we got it all. And she said, well, good. We're thinking about using you for our bridal registry. And so <laughs> I'm kind of feeling that way myself anymore. The years are are getting by. But God bless you. Thank you all for being here tonight. Good crowd this morning, a good crowd tonight, and just a good spirit. Enjoyed all the singing, enjoyed all of the fellowship. Second Kings chapter 2, I want you to begin reading with me in verse 19. In Second Kings chapter 2, verse 19. The Bible said, And the men of the city said unto Elisha, Behold, I pray thee, the situation of this city is pleasant as my Lord seeth, but the water is naught and the ground barren. And he said, Bring me a new cruise and put salt therein. And they brought it to him. And he, Elijah, went forth under the spring of the waters and cast the salt in there and said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters. 
there shall not from thence any more death or barren land. There shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. Thank you. May be seated. Let's pray together. Our Father, such a joy to be back tonight at Walridge Baptist, to be with this pastor, the fellowship, and these dear people. They've been a blessing to us, an encouragement every time we are around them. And we ask you now, Lord, that you might bless and open our mind and our heart to what you want to say to us tonight. So necessary, Lord, that you speak to us. So we set before you and give to you as an offering everything, Lord, that we are about to say. That you will accept it and it would be something that you and your, your love and grace would bless to the feeding of our needy hearts tonight. We ask you, Lord, to speak to us and to open again our hearts everything that you want to talk to us about tonight. Thank you again for loving us. And we do want to say that we love you. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus we pray and ask these things. Amen. We often hear about cities that are plagued with all kinds of problems. Cities that have a crime problem. Every time you pick up your newspaper or read the news or whatever there, you're reading about certain cities Crime has increased so much percent, whatever. We hear about cities that have a crime problem. We hear about cities that have murder problems, cities that have drug problems, even cities that have racial and social problems. Some cities in the past few years, we have seen a surge in various kinds of problems. The past few years, we've seen the riots in the streets, the taking over of cities, city centers, burning of businesses. We've seen all kinds of problems. It's not unusual to hear about cities that have a problem. In Second Kings chapter 2, we have a city that had a problem. But in this case, it was a city with a water problem. The city was the well-known city of Jericho. And we all know Jericho's history. When the children of Israel had crossed into the promised land, we know the story how that they marched around the city of Jericho so many times for so many days. And we know how God gave the city to Joshua and and brought them, gave them the land as the walls came crumbling down. You jump ahead several years in time. And we once again come to the city of Jericho. At this time in 2 Kings 2, we find that the city had a water problem. Now, let's walk through the story tonight. And let me set before you a few things and trust that God will speak to our heart. Let me begin by just pointing out a few things about the condition that was existing. The condition that was existing. Again, we begin reading the story and we find Elisha tearing in the city of Jericho. As I said a moment ago, we're familiar with the city. It was the city that Joshua and the people marched around. As the old song said, and the walls came tumbling down. But in the destruction of the city of Jericho after the fall, you read in the book of Joshua that he actually 
condemned the city. Joshua 6 verse 26, Joshua said, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city. After God had brought the walls down and gave it into the hands of the children of Israel, Joshua said, Cursed be anybody that tries to rebuild the city. And the warning was given that if anybody rebuilt the city, (coughs) the Bible said he shall lay the foundation in his firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. Joshua cursed the city and gave the warning that if you try to rebuild it, it will cost you your firstborn son, it will cost you your youngest son. We jump ahead to 1 Kings chapter 16. And it tells us of the story of Hiel the Bethelite who rebuilt the city. In spite of the warning, in spite of the curse, he rebuilt the city, but not without consequences. 1 Kings 16.34 said in his days did Hiel the Bethelite build Jericho. And he laid the foundation thereof in Abiram, his firstborn. And he set up the gates thereof in his young son, Segub. According to the word of the Lord, which was spoken by Joshua, the son of Nun. So the word of God came true. He cost him. He rebuilt the city, but it cost him his firstborn son and his young son, just like Joshua had said. But the city was rebuilt, again, not without consequences. And when you come to 2 Kings chapter 2, you are dealing with the rebuilt city of Jericho. And when Elisha visits the city, you find that it was cursed with a problem. Verse 19 says, we read it a moment ago, And the men of the city said unto Elisha, Behold, I pray thee, That is, I want you to think, look at this. The the situation of this city is very pleasant. As my Lord seeth, but the water is not and the ground is barren. They describe the situation of the city as being pleasant. Or to put it in another way, it was an excellent location for a city. Although the city was cursed, It was a great location to have a city. And apparently the city is thriving again. It is growing again. I can imagine I haven't found this in the text, but I'm sure they had a Walmart. I mean, this city was back on the grow. Everything was doing well. It was pleasant. And the word means it was good. It was agreeable. Everything about the city of Jericho was good. It's where people would think, I would like to live in Jericho. However, it had a problem. Look at the problem. There was the barren land that surrounded the city. The men said to Joshua in verse 10, the ground is barren. The word barren literally means to miscarry. Commentators have suggested that the condition that is described, barren, speaks of how the cattle would uh, cast their young prematurely. 
The trees would shed their fruit, its fruit, before it was ever ripe. One writer I read after even suggested that it left the women incapable of bearing children. It was a barren place. A great location seemed to be thriving, but there was a barrenness around the city of Jericho. But there was not only the barren land that surrounded the city, there was the bitter waters that spoiled the city. For they said not only is the ground barren, but they described how the water is not. The word not there means spoiled. And the word is translated, for example, in Genesis 2, 9 as evil. You could say that the waters are evil. Same word is found in Psalm 144.10 and translated hurtful. It's even translated wicked some 31 times in the Bible. Here is water that is evil, you might say, hurtful. Here is water that is not. And no doubt the barrenness that surrounded the city was due to this evil, brackish water that they had in the city. So you see the condition that was existing. It was a barren place that was affected by these evil waters. I think about their condition. I am mindful of how the Bible talks about how that as a Christian, we are to be fruitful in our life as a believer. Romans 7, 4 talks about how that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Not just the missionary, not just the pastor, but every believer that names the name of Christ. Our life is to be productive. Our life is to be useful. We are to be fruitful unto God. John fifteen sixteen said that we should go and bring forth fruit. Philippians 1.11 talked about being filled with the fruits of righteousness. And Paul said in Colossians 1.10 that we're to be fruitful in every good work. In other words, our lives are not to be spiritually barren. We are not to live a life that is unproductive. We are not to live a life in which we are not personally experiencing growth and spiritual maturity in our life, and it resulting in our life being a blessing to others and bearing fruit under God and in the world in which we live in. But I think you would agree with me how often, even though we as believers are to be fruitful and productive as, as believers in this world, how often could we say that the ground is barren? Our life is barren. Our life is sterile. Our life is unproductive. And our life is unfruitful. And if that be the case in our life, just like the city of Jericho, there is always a cause. There is always a reason. Can I say tonight that if you're here and you are a believer, And your life is barren. There is a reason your life is barren. 
that if your life is not a reflection of He that lives within you and you are not bearing fruit in your life as a believer, there is a reason why you are barren and unproductive. There's always a cause for a barren life. The water of Jericho left it barren. And if you are barren, if I am barren, there is always a reason. I could give you a whole list tonight, but just in passing. I think about things such as jealousy and that green-eyed monster and how it can so spoil the waters of your life that it'll leave you unproductive. Sherry mentioned ladies here probably sing that song. I've seen it. You've seen it. I pastored Baptist churches here in the South. Somebody gets up to sing a song and someone sitting in the back says, you know what, I've been singing that song for five years. That's my, my song. What in the world is she doing singing my song? Or somebody gets to do this. Well, why didn't they ask me to do that? Jealousy. It can so eat at you. Jealousy. Envy. The matter of being unforgiving in your life. Nothing will rob you of a productive life faster than holding some grudge in your heart towards someone or another place. Maybe it's even the church that you were in before and they hurt you and you got hurt in that place. But somewhere you're going to have to let that go. Somewhere you're going to have to take that to the foot of the cross. You say, but Brother Ken, you don't know what they did to me and my family. I don't, but you have to let it go. And unforgiveness, holding those feelings in your heart. Bitterness. Uh, bitter toward God. Like the lady, someone, she was on the Titanic. As a survivor of the Titanic, her husband did not survive. Someone began to talk to her about God and she immediately interrupted them and said, No, no, don't you talk to me about God. God went down with the Titanic. How we can become bitter toward God. We can become bitter in our life over something that has happened. And the result is it spoils the waters. And it leaves our life unproductive. Pride. Think about a preacher said to his wife one night, said, Honey, you know, there's not many great preachers left in the world. And she said, There's one less than you think too. Amen. Well, we all. I've met people that could strut sitting down. You've seen them all. And we live in a generation that is so self-centered. And I see so much ego on display. And I want to think, it's not about me and it's not about you. It is all about Him. And we get lost in Him. We'll forget all about whether I am getting attention or what anybody thinks about me. Worldliness, regardless of this age and culture in which we live, The Bible still tells us to come ye out from among the world and be ye separate, saith my God. Being out of the will of God. And I could go on and on and on and on. But I ask you tonight, are you bearing fruit in your life as a believer? Are you being a fruitful, productive Christian in this world? If not, why? Why is it that your life is barren? Why is it that you have no joy in serving God? Why is it that you have no power in what you do? Why is it that your life is not being blessed of God to the benefit of other people? There is always a reason if not. You see, the Holy Spirit lives within us. 
And he didn't come in here to make us happy, though there is joy in knowing him. But he's not the happy spirit to make us happy. He is the Holy Spirit to make us holy so that through us he can show Christ to the lost world around us. And if he is hindered in being able to do that, why? What is the thing that is spoiling the waters of your light tonight and leaving you empty and dry and barren and unproductive? That was the condition that was existing. The land was barren and the waters were spoiled. But look, second of all, not only at the condition that was existing, but at the concern that was expressed. For you notice in verse 19, the men came to Elisha and they said, Behold, I pray thee, they're pleading with him. They are beseeching him. Lord, behold, behold, look at the situation of the city. It is pleasant as my Lord saith, but the water is not and the ground is bearing. You see these men of the city coming to Elisha. In their coming, you see the despair of their hearts. They're coming to him. They are desperate. They're tired of the condition of the place they live. Their fruit, fruit trees are not bearing. Their cattle are casting prematurely. It's even affecting their families. And they're coming to him. They said, behold, I pray thee, I plead with you. Look at the situation that exists. They were tired of the condition they were living in, the despair of their hearts. Can I say to you tonight that there'll never be a change in our life and in our spiritual condition until we get tired of the condition that we are in. We become complacent. I live so far away that I grew up in the South. I was born in the mountains of North Carolina, grew up in the little town of Boone, I am, but we've been gone so long, so I only see things from a distance. I fall and see people on Facebook and, and I look at and I see things and I see how churches are changing. It's refreshing to come here and hear just good old hymns. And, uh, but I see how churches are changing and we become so, uh, amusement oriented. And we have become so materialistic minded that we are content and we're not concerned about anything but ourselves and what we have and what we are doing. But I assure you tonight, there will never be a change in our life until we get sick and tired of being barren and being unproductive. Before there will ever be a transformation, there will have to be a desperation. Even revival itself began with people getting tired, tired of sin and tired of the deadness and tired of the emptiness and tired of the dryness. And they were desperate before God. Behold, Lord, look at our situation, the spare of their hearts. But in their very coming, you see the desire of their hearts. They wanted a change. They wanted things to be different. Instead of barrenness, they're wanting fruitfulness. I ask you tonight, do you want, what is it you really want from God? And these nights and days that we have together, what is it that you really want God to do in your life? I'm not talking about 
the person sitting beside you. I'm talking directly to you. What is it that you want God to do? Are we to have just a few nights of services and go home and say, I really enjoyed that? Or do we want to meet God and let him do something in our life that will affect not only us personally, but our church and even our community? It'll not happen until, one, we get tired of things as the way they are, and two, that we want more than life itself for God to change things and do something in our life. T.S. Randall spoke of Jericho as being so situated that it could have been a paradise on earth. And there is so much more that God wants to do in our life. He wants to bless every one of us. There's not a person I am speaking to tonight that God does not have great interest in you. And you are his child and he wants to bless your life. And he wants to use you for his honor and glory. And he wants to make you a vessel through which he can channel himself through and touch the lives of other people. Is that your desire, Lord? I want you to help me, Lord. I'm barren. I am empty. I am dry. Lord, I want things to be different. There was the condition that was existing and there was the concern that was expressed. But thirdly, look at the cure. That was employed. Notice in verse 20. And he said, bring me a new cruise and put salt therein. And they brought it to him. He tells us they filled a jar, a cruise with salt. And they brought it to him just like he requested. Now notice what he did with this jar of salt. You notice in verse 21 There was the spring he approached. And he went forth under the spring of the water. You know what Elisha did? He went to the source of the problem. He went where the polluted waters originated. He's not treating it downstream. He went to where it was polluted. He went to the very source of their problem. And there's where he started. And can I say to you tonight that whatever is causing barrenness in our lives, whatever has robbed us of our joy, whether you got hurt by somebody and you carried that around in your heart all these years, whether it's some other situation, whatever the source of why you have no joy and why God cannot bless your life and your life is so barren, there's where you have to start. You can't rationalize it. You're hurt, your unforgiveness. You can't ignore your problem. You can't deny it. You have to go to the source of the problem. If it started because you fell out with someone 15 years ago, that's the source. That's where you have to go. If it's because of some other reason, I don't care what it is, you have to go to the source of the problem. You can't ignore it. I don't care how much you try to cover it, how much you try to deny it. If you want a holy God to bless your life and use you, you have to go to the very source of the problem. There was a spring he approached. There was the salt he applied. Verse 21, he cast the salt in there. He put the salt in the spring, the, the, the origin of the water, the salt of the problem. The salt would serve as a purifier 
of the water. You not only have to go to what caused you to lose your joy and whatever it is that's leaving you unproductive, the source of it, but you've got to get it right. There has to be a purifying of whatever has spoiled your life, of whatever has robbed you of your joy. Say, I used to be so happy in the Lord. Well, think, why? What happened? And when you trace down what happened, that's where you got to go. And that has to be dealt with. It may be something small. I think about old Uncle Buddy Robinson. Uncle Buddy was a Nazarene preacher. Back in early, uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. We wouldn't agree with everything Uncle Buddy preached on and what he believed. Everywhere he went, he talked about a second blessing, second blessing. And he had a speech impediment. But everywhere he went, he talked about getting a second blessing. And somebody walked up to him one night and said, all you ever preached about is second blessing. I've had two blessings. I've had three blessings. I've had four blessings. I've had five blessings. Uncle Buddy said, then you won't mind if I just have two, will you? And he just had his own way of putting things. But he had his, he had a unique way of expressing when he got happy. When Uncle Buddy would get happy, he'd jump up and say, glory to God. He said, the sun is shining and the flowers are blooming and the big buzzing. Birds are singing in the backyard of my soul. He'd get happy and he'd say, hallelujah. He said, the sun is shining, the flowers are blooming, and the bees are buzzing, and the birds are singing in the backyard of my soul. He was to go take a trip for one of his meetings. And he went to the train station and he handed them his ticket. And they stamped his ticket one way. And Uncle Buddy said, excuse me, that's a wound trip ticket. And the fellow said to him, sir, he said, that's a one-way ticket. I can only give you a one-way ticket. And Uncle Buddy said, but I bought a round-trip ticket. And he said, sir, you have a one-way ticket. Uncle Buddy said, no, I have a round-trip ticket. Sir, you have a one-way ticket. Uncle Buddy said, I know what I bought. And I bought a round-trip ticket. I need a round-trip ticket. Give me a round-trip ticket. And the fellow said, sir, I can't do that. I, You have a one-way ticket. Uncle Buddy said, I said. I have a round-trip ticket, and I want a round-trip ticket right now, and I'm not moving here until you give me a round-trip ticket. Do you hear what I'm saying? Uncle Buddy said, all of a sudden, the sun quit shining, and the bees quit buzzing, and the birds quit singing, and the flowers stopped singing in the backyard of his soul. He said, I walked off, and I said, Lord, I bought a round-trip ticket. And God said, I don't care what you bought. That's no way to behave. And Uncle Buddy said, I finally went back and said, sir, I know I bought a round-trip ticket. And he said, but I apologize for my behavior. And Uncle Buddy said, all of a sudden, sun started shining, and the bees started buzzing, and the flowers started blooming, the birds started singing in the backyard of my soul. You know what's happened to a lot of church members? The sun has quit shining in the backyard of your soul. The bees have quit buzzing and the birds have quit singing and the sun has quit shining in the backyard of your soul because of something somewhere. And you'll never ever know the joy. If the water is going to be purified and your life is going to be blessed again, you'll have to go to the source and you will have to deal with it. Verse 20 said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters, and there shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. Verse 21, so the waters were healed unto this day. I've never been to Jericho. 
But they say it's one of the most beautiful areas in Palestine. The Lord healed it that day. And he brought it in, turned it into a fruitful place. What about your life tonight? Is there something that has caused your life to become barren? Is there something that has caused your life to become unproductive? Are the waters spoiled somewhere? Then you'll never know the fruitfulness that God intends for your life until you deal with the very thing that caused it in the first place. You can't ignore it. You say, oh, brother, can't. I, you don't know what they did to me. I don't. But you're still letting them rob you of your joy. And that's what happens a lot of times. Somebody hurts us and we carried around for years. They forgot all about it. But yet you're still hurting. And every time you pass them in the grocery store, those same old feelings rise up again. And they are hurting you and they could care less about you. But it's eating at you. It is destroying you. It is robbing you. I remember his meeting several years ago and a lady got up and testified. And she just sung a song. And when she sung, the glory came down. People were shouting all over the building. There was a touch of God on her singing. But she got, she testified and told about how in her church she did everything. She said, I cleaned the building. I made sure there were flowers in the auditorium on Sunday. I got all the stuff for the fellowship hall. She just went on naming all that stuff. But she said, one day I got to thinking, nobody over there appreciates all the hard work I put in and all the time I do. And she said, the more I thought about it, the anger I got. And the more, he said, it just grew in me and grew into me and just grew in me. I blamed the preacher. I blamed the deacons. I blamed everybody. And she said, I lost my joy. But one day I come to realize it wasn't my preacher and it wasn't the deacons, but it was me. And she said, I got on my face before God and said, God, I want you to forgive me. And then she sung a second song and they lapped the building about four times before they ever slowed down. That's what I'm talking about. Whatever caused them to be barren or spoiled, that has to be dealt with dealt with here at the beginning of this meeting is there something you need to deal with deal with in your heart so that god can once again touch your life and god can once again bless your life and you can know the lord in that sweetness and that joy that you knew many years ago it has to be dealt with it has to be cleansed it has to be purified you don't cover the thing that is disobedient to God and expect God to bless you. It has to be dealt with at the foot of the cross. There is no other alternative. If we are to be blessed of God, we may put on a front, we may act, we may put on a show, but if it's to have any eternal value in your heart and in eternity, it has to be dealt with. Let's stand our feet. What about you tonight? Is there a spring that is spoiled, that needs to be purified? Is there a spring that needs to be approached? Oh, preacher, I don't want to go there. But you have to. If you want to know the joy and the blessing of God, it may not be an issue with somebody. It may just be something in your life, but somewhere the Spirit of God put His finger on it 
and said, you need to deal with this, and you have it. And you've seen a deterioration of your Christian life over time. Get it right. Come to the altar, kneel at the cross, and say, dear God, help me to get this out of my life. I want to be blessed. I don't want my life to be unproductive. I don't want my life to be barren. I want you to bless my life. I want you to use me for the sake of others. Our Father tonight, in Jesus' name, Lord, look to our heart. Lord, show us the cause of our barrenness. Point it out to us that we may go there and deal with it and may it be made right so that you can touch our lives and use our lives and bless our lives. Speak to all of our hearts tonight. And over these next few nights, Lord, take us to where you we never thought you would take us and do in us what we never thought you would do in us. We ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.